Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? I am thankful all the time. I know you guys were like, can you get up and say something else? Like, no. Uh, I am thankful to be with you guys. It is a it is a privilege, it's an honor to have good friends and and uh, and family members. And when I see you on Sunday morning, and I know there's a ton of things that are going on in the world right now that that you are that would cause fear and try to bring fear into your hearts and would try to be like, what in the world is craziness is going on in the world? But in the midst of all this craziness, we the people of God are flourishing. There are good things happening in our midst. Do you know that? You may not be aware. He's like, well, Pastor Chris, you haven't been to my house. Don't have to. Know that in, that in God's economy, in God's world, there are things that are going on that are good, and they are not reporting it on CNN or even Fox News or anything else, that you have to be in tune with the kingdom of God to really see what is going on in the world. And that's a reason to rejoice in the Lord. Amen? That's why he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. rejoice. Be excited. Be glad about it. Because it doesn't matter. We need to re- the things that are. And she's like, well, it does matter the things that are going on. I'm saying it matters what the kingdom of God is doing, and we, the people of God, need to be in tune to what that is. And we are going to be a people. I'm telling you, in this church, if you want to try to find out what what this church is about, some of you are new and guests. What this what is this church about? We're about advancing the kingdom of God in every sphere and every area of influence. That's what we are about. Not only are we about that, but we're also about, it, about us being involved and getting involved in the community, in our world, and not just sitting back and letting, th- letting the world happen to us. We want to happen to the world. We want God to happen to the world. And so and I, I, um, I've had to talk to my friends this week because uh, some, some close friends of mine because I was accused uh, this week of being too political. And so I had to talk with some of them. Some of my, so I have, I have a host of friends. Some of my friends, they look at me and they go, oh, Pastor Chris, you're not being too, too political. Don't worry about it. And then some of my friends are like, get over yourself. Let's get, just, just get going. Get on with it. And I love them both. They all, <laughs> next. Anyway, so here's what's next. God is still on the throne. He's still ruling and still reigning, and he is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And we're going to talk about politics because it means the polls are in and the ballots are in. Guess what? He's still on the throne, and he's still reigning, and he's still all in all, and he still wants to advance the kingdom of God in us. Amen? So strap on your seatbelts, get in, get in your seat, get cozy. Not really, because there's work for us to do, and God's taking us from glory to glory. Amen? Today we're uh, celebrating Palm Sunday, and um, we are getting ready to get into the Word. Do you have your Bibles this morning? Can you show them to me? Show me your Bibles this morning. Show them to me. Show them to me. Oh, that's great. Or your electronic devices. Somebody's showing me your phone. Either you're showing me your phone or you're taking a picture. Hold on. I, don't, I didn't know if you were. I'm just checking to make sure. Just, just warn me when you get ready to take a picture. Anyway, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that your word is true. It's a lie. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So I'm praying, Lord, that you pierced our hearts this morning, cut off the excess stuff that we don't need, help us to, uh, and to not just uh, hear the word, but also be doers of the word so that we don't deceive ourselves. We don't want to be deceived. We want to be people of truth. So we thank you, Lord, that because of the truth of your word, we can step into all that you have and be all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles or your electronic device, turn to Zechariah chapter 9, two places of scripture. And I would like for you to also turn to Mark chapter 11. 
And we're going we're gonna to look at these two passages of Scripture in contrast to what the Bible is saying about, uh, about the triumphant entry of Jesus as he rides in on this donkey, this, this Palm Sunday. And so when we look at Scripture, it's always important for us to go to the Old Testament to see what the Old Testament has said about the now and what we're doing right now. The Old Testament is a, is, has shadows and types of the New Testament of what Jesus has done. So when you look at the Old Testament, you'll be like, well, where does this come from? And so you'll see certain places where it says, so that the scriptures may be fulfilled. The Old Testament has things that have to do with the New Testament, and all of it, Jesus says, is about him. He's like, if you read the scriptures, you need to know they all speak of me. He's telling the Pharisees and the Sadducees and his disciples, you search the scriptures because in them you think you you have eternal life. But they all are talking about me. And so that's why we go to Old Testament. And that's what this is. Zechariah chapter nine, verse verse one. I mean, sorry, verse nine says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. That's an exclamation point. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Now, look up here for a second. If you continue reading those scriptures, you'll see how many uh, times that he goes down and talks about the fact that God is going to save Jerusalem. God is going to save his people. He's going to save them and cut them off, and, he's going to, and his kingdom is going to be established, and he's going to reign and rule, and all of it is going to be about him and dominion and power. He's going to do that. He's going to save his people, and you're going to know it because this is a sign that's going to happen. Now let's turn to Mark chapter, chapter 11, and we're going to start at verse 1, and you're going to see this. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany, the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the coat tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing, loosing the coat? And they spoke to them just as Jesus said, had commanded, and so they let them go. Then they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it, and many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches, another version say palm branches, from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And we'll stop there for a second. I want you to look up here. The people of Israel, the children of Israel knew this, that, that because Jesus had performed a great sign because Lazarus was raised from the dead. And they go, this is him. 
This is the first time that they're no longer calling Jesus a prophet. They're now calling him the king. They're going, this is the Messiah. This is the one. This is the one that the scriptures have fulfilled and told us about that was coming. And so therefore, they cut down the branches, laid him on the road, and they're going, this is he. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, the word Hosanna means save now. That's what it means. So they're saying, save now. Save us. We know this is the one who's come to save us, who's God, who God has ordained to come and redeem us from all of the captivity and all the things that we've endured. Now was the time that, that the, the kingdom of God is going to be released, and he's bringing it through this man, Jesus, who is the king. Blessed is he, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so they were celebrating him. And, and the problem is, is that all those things were fulfilled, but they didn't even realize what or who they were worshiping. Have you ever been to a party or something, and, and this happens every one of our kids' birthday, when they're celebrating, Vanessa's celebrating the kid's birthday, and then they, they open the gift and they go, oh my gosh, mom and dad, this is so amazing. You've done such a great job. This is a, the, the gift I've always wanted. And I look up and I go, I'm so glad you liked it. And I go, what did we get them? You know, because I had no idea what we bought them at all. And Vanessa goes, well, or she'll warn me. And she goes, I got this year we got uh, Ainsley a computer that she's been needing for school. And there's other things. She goes, this is what I always needed. My other computer is trash. Thank you. And so I never know what's going on. And it's usually me that's late to the party because I never know what's going on. These people, children of Israel, were late to the party because they're saying they're celebrating who Jesus is, but they don't really know how he's going to come. Because they had in their mind one way that God was going to bring the king to change, but there was obviously another way. They thought, yes, now you're going to bring your army, you're going to march up on the, on the road of the, the politicians and all the things that are going on, and you're going to overthrow Rome, and we're going to be king. We're going to restore the temple back to David's days, and it's going to be great. Now Israel's going to step in and take over, which he didn't do that at all. And the expectation was changed in the way that they actually thought that he was going to come. And so those cheers changed the jeers, and they were upset. Have you ever been in a place where you had an expectation of what you thought God was going to do? You had an expectation that he would do something one way, only to realize that he didn't come through in the way that you wanted him to come through? I, um, one of the times in my life as a teenager that I really wrestled with God, and I don't think I've ever told anybody, told you guys, Vanessa knows about it, but I've never said anything to you, to you guys about this, but when I was about 13 years old, I had an issue with the Lord, and I was disappointed in God because of something that I prayed for, and I absolutely knew in my heart that God was going to come through for me in this way. And let me tell you what it was. I had a grandmother whose name was Helen. And Grandma Helen was one of my, she was, she, I mean, I had, both of my grandmas were amazing because they would, they would, for some reason, you know how grandmas are, they go, let me just send you home with a little snack. And it'd be like a, two grocery bags full of stuff. You know, they loved me. That's how they loved me was through food. They would, my grandmother Helen would make me a plate of food and watch me eat it. You know what I'm saying? She was just like, oh, and I'd be like, Grandma, I'm so stuffed. She goes, no, you're not. You can have a little bit more, baby. And you know, she was just amazing. And, um, and so one of the things was is that I'm, I remember the day that I heard that she got cancer. 
And you talk about a 13-year-old who's trying to do everything he can to believe in God. There's issues and stuff flooding me from the outside. But my grandmother loved God. She didn't love God her, her whole life, but she, she accepted God in, my, in like later years. And, um, and she would go to church, and I'd go see her. She lived an hour and a half away. And so at 13 years old, I would, we would go visit her, and I loved her. And, and I still think about her today, about being one of the backbones of our family. But I remember when she got, when she got cancer. And I, I remember that we would drive every weekend. I had just remember I got saved at 8 years old. 12 years old, I got baptized with, in the Holy Spirit. And then at 13 years old, uh, I preached my first message when I was 12 um, and, and at a youth crusade. And so I'm trying to grow and build my faith. And so uh, at 13 years old, I remember driving every weekend to go pray for her. I'm talking about I'm praying in the spirit. I mean, there was uncles and cousins and, 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 and parents and all, everybody gathered around her. And we'd pray for her every weekend. Every weekend we prayed for her. And in my heart, I absolutely knew that God was going to heal her. Anybody ever just like, I just know that something's going to happen, something real, something's amazing going to happen. And so I'd pray for her. I was praying in ways that I didn't even know. I'm calling it. I feel I'm, there's things that are happening. And I remember the day that I came here to Dallas. I was living in Arkansas, and she lived in Crossett, Arkansas. I lived in Camden, Arkansas. We did. And I came here to drop a friend off for a rehab stint. And I remember getting back home only to realize that she had passed away. In my room, she had passed away. And I remember crying and just boohooing, and I was like, God, I don't know what in the world just happened to my life. I knew that you were going to come through. I knew you were going to heal her. I absolutely thought that you were going to come through, and now just to find out that she passed away, and I just stored that in the back of my mind, but I was disappointed at God. I was mad at God. I was disappointed with him, and I just stored it in the back. But I didn't, I, didn't, I step, kept going to youth group. I kept, kept you know, reading the word and worshiping and doing things, but that always was in the back of my mind. And I remember one day that the Lord dealt with me about my expectation. And he said to me this. He said, I know you're disappointed in me. And I said, I am. He goes, I know you're mad at me. And I said, I am. He goes, and I know why you're mad at me. And I said, I know why I'm mad at you too. <laughs> Acting like a little four-year-old I was. And he said, do you know that I am a win-win God? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you prayed for your grandmother to be healed. He goes, either she was going to be healed on this side or she was going to be healed on the other side. But I am a God of my word, and I am the one who decides whether or not and how she gets healed. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and just flood. And he didn't say anything else, but I remember him flooding my soul with peace. And the peace that came that day was a peace that I know that I can trust him no matter what the situation is. And here's what I want to say to you. There's some of you sitting here this morning. You're disappointed at God. You're mad at God. you got some issues with God because there's something in your life or that's happened in your life that you have not settled with him about whether or not he has come through for you. I want to tell you that he has. Not only has he not come to you, but he will. He, he always honors his word. He always watches over his word to perform it. And not only does he watch over his word to perform it, but it does not return unto him void. So I want to tell you today that you can trust him. And the children of Israel were right back into that place because they, they wanted God, they wanted this Messiah to come in and do what they wanted him to do, but he didn't come in and do what they wanted him to do. He came in, and guess what? The first place he went to after he got off the donkey, uh, got off the colt, and they were throwing palm branches, and they were loving him and celebrating him, the first place that he goes to is the church. 
He goes to the temple and he drives out all the money changers. He drives out all the things in the church that are not supposed to be there. Can I tell you, he's still driving out money changers today in the church. The church has got some money changers in it. She's like, well, what are you talking about? Church, the church has people or just saying things in it from the spirit of dark, the kingdom of darkness that are trying to keep you from walking in God's very best for your life. There's freedom that needs to be had in your life. Maybe you don't even know about it or even have recognized it, but he's still trying to, trying to chase away those things that keep you from God's very best. So he goes into the church. Somebody goes, he needs to go to Washington. He needs to go to the church and clear out the things that don't need to be in the church first. Judgment starts at the, at the house of the Lord. Like, hey, Pastor Chris, bring back that guy that, that's really funny and, 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 and that tells jokes and stuff. You need to hear this this morning. You need to hear the truth this morning. Here's the truth. The truth is, is that the church needs to change her ways and get back to the principles and the spirit and the wisdom and the word of God and change and turn so that we can be the people that God's called us to be. How are we going to go out and be the church to the unchurched when the unchurched is acting like the unchurched? Oh, I know I'm going to get a whole lot of amens on that, but God is still rearranging the furniture in the church. And how he rearranges the furniture in the church is rearranging the furniture that's in your own heart. And the expectation that you may have put on God that you wanted him to do something one way and God's like, mm -mm. behold, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. Can you not see it? It springs up in the middle of the desert. So I'm going to tell you this. And so don't have to get no amens about it, but let him rearrange the furniture in your heart and get you back to the place that God has for you so that you can walk in the will and ways of God. This is what God has called us to do, church. And so, yes, I, I want to be your biggest cheerleader. I want to be a shepherd that leads you beside the still waters, that leads you beside, to the green grass. But I'm telling you what, you can't grow if you're trying to let the consumerism that's out in the world creep up in the church. You're not going to be able to grow if you have the same principles as the people that's in the world. If you're, if you're standing there thinking about the fact that, well, I don't want to compromise my beliefs because there's a lot of things that's going on and I love everybody. I love everybody too, but the hell is still hot and people are still going there if they don't accept Jesus. Right. So I'm not just talking to you, but I'm talking to the fact that I got friends and pastors and preachers that are saying, Pastor Chris, you're black and you can say things in a pulpit that has to do with racism and, and CRT and all this other stuff. We can't say those things because we're white. I'm going to tell you that is not true. Some other words, but I won't say that in the pulpit. Here's the truth. We have the obligation as pastors and preachers to preach the word of God about what he says about race, what he says about murder of children, innocent children, about what he says about homosexuality, and I've said this before. So he's like, are you going to get tired of saying that, Pastor Chris, about same-sex attraction? All those things. We want to get you help because we love you. But at the same time, God wants to move you along so that you can have freedom and chase away the money changers that have been keeping you from God's very best. So he goes to the church. He comes to the church first. He comes to the house of God. Say, hey, look, you can't stay here. Fear, you can't stay in the house of God. Apathy, you can't stay in the house of God. Adultery, you can't stay in the house of God. All these other things, all these things, you can't stay in the house of God because he's coming back for a spotless bride. He's coming back for a church, a spotless bride. And the expectation is that you want God to do something without you having to do anything in return. 
And that's that hyper-grace movement that's got to get out of the church. That hyper-grace movement that says, well, you don't have to do anything. You can stay where you are. I just, and, and you can just stay exactly how you are. I'm telling you what, God loves you and everything is good. I'm telling you, it is not. God is changing the way that we think. And that word has been a bad word in the, in the church. And I'm just going to say it to you this morning. Are you ready for this? Repent. Repent. Change the way that you think because the kingdom of God is here. He's coming back for that spotless bride. I'm going to say go a step further. Change the way that you think and change your expectation. Put your expectation in him. I don't expect, he's like, do you expect Washington and all president and all this stuff to change? I expect God to be who he is. Because why would I get upset about unbelievers acting like unbelievers? But what I, what I won't stand for is the church acting like unbelievers. And where we got to change, put your expectation in him because he's able. You can cheer. They cheer. They, oh, Lord, you're the blessed to see who comes in the name of the Lord. And then he goes, great, I'm going to the church and, ch- and running everybody out. No, don't do that. They want him to do what they want him to do. And that's what, that is not what church is about. God is about doing what he wants to do in your life. Remember, I said that to you. It was like, have you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life? You don't make him Lord. He is Lord. Here's where we're going to ask that. Have you yielded to his lordship over your life? Have you yielded to his, 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 all of the things that he's, have you yielded to his power, his authority? Is his word the authority in your life? Are you going to live by your emotions? Are you going to live by the word of God? Are you going to live by bread alone? Or are you going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? Now, this is the meat of the word right here. I have no, I've never, I've never had a steak where they came in and put icing on it. You know what I'm saying? So this is, no, I can't put icing on this. This is what we need to, we need to hear. I had a totally different message I was going to preach to you this morning, and God said, change it. And this is a message that he came with, that I came with this morning. The church needs to change the way that they think, and it starts in the house of God. Their expectation has to be in him. Not in, not in man, not in us. Vanessa had always, all her life, had a hope chest. And if you don't know what a hope chest is, for you men that don't know what a hope chest is, you women may know what a hope chest is, is they get it very young, and, and they put things in the hope chest that they hope to have when they get married. It's a hope chest. A big, it was a big old chest. It was, like, it was about, it was yay, yay wide and just thick. And you would open it and have all the different things that they would, she would hope to have. And she would, that she would have, hope to have and, and a husband that she was wishing for and hoping. And, and just so you know, here I am just killing it, you know, just, <laughs> just, 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 just killing it. And what I mean by killing it, killing her expectations of what she wanted in a husband. <laughs> Let me tell you how stupid I was. That's, that's a Vanessa Camp. If you don't know what that is, some of you ask questions about how come she never laughs when you tell jokes? It's because she's heard them all. I have preached this message to her 50 times before you have heard it. And so we have now. It's just started. If I tell a story about her, it's, we're going to put it up on the screen. It's called the Vanessa Cam. So just put it up right now. It's just called the Vanessa Cam. That's what it's going to be. You're going to be able to see the Vanessa Cam because she never smiles. <laughs> never smiles. It's a Vanessa Cam. But here I am killing it, killing her expectations again. Let me tell you how stupid I was. 
she had the chest at the end of the bed. We had gotten married. And I put my weights in it and broke the chest. Y'all saying ooh and all and stuff. But by the grace of God, I'm still here. I'm still alive. I would have fainted. I would have lost heart if I had not seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He saved my life. And Vanessa came to me one day. She goes, honey, do you know how much stuff I put in that chest? Do you know how much things, I, things that ever, since a kid I've been putting stuff in that chest? And then you put your weights in it and just broke it. And I, I did apologize. I did say that I was sorry. But I was thinking about that. I was just in this, in this sermon thinking about the fact that some of you had put, you have a hope chest. And in this hope chest, you have put expectation in things that you wanted God to do for you that you were hoping for. That you were hoping that God would do. God, I'm hoping that I would have this kind of marriage. God, I'm hoping that I would have this kind of job. God, I'm hoping that I would have this kind of uh, uh, career, that I would hope my kids would turn out this way. I was hoping this and I was hoping that. Only to be like I did, putting weight in the hope to crush your dreams. Some of you right now are crushed, but you're not destroyed. Some of you right now just feel like there's no hope, but you're, you're not struck down, and you're still here, and God has a plan for you. Here's the plan. That you would allow God to restore hope to you again and also chase away the money changers that have been trying to keep you in bondage. that have been trying to keep you from God's very best. That's why when Jesus came to Jerusalem on that donkey, because see, that's why I'm not Jesus. I'd have came in a cattle, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'd have been, here I am, but a donkey. And he says, here I am to bring freedom. He goes into the house of the Lord, and he chases away everything that's not supposed to be there. And they hated him for it. I believe that God wants to chase those things away to bring freedom in your life so that you can be the church to the unchurch. We can't be the church to the unchurch if we are, again, acting like the church and not being who God's called us to be. Freedom is who he wants to release in your, in your life, is what he wants to release in your life. He says you should know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That word make means to create. You'll create freedom. You'll hear it. You'll know the truth. Truth is not a thing. It's a person. His name is Jesus. And some of you need the truth this morning. I'm telling you, I did. I came in with a, I had a message all planned. I told Vanessa, I go, I'm changing message. And she goes, in mid, mid, I go, yeah, I feel like this is the Lord supposed to say that. I'm supposed to say this to you today. Change your expectation. Change the way that you think. Let the king come in and change you so that you can be free. And walk in everything that God has for you.